0: Everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Emily. And I'm Paige. And today we are doing a live reading of Chapter 28 of Breaking Dawn.
1: And you're listening to Tuesdays are for Twilight. How's it going? What's up? Oh, you know, it is a, it's just an average Tuesday for me. I, I sent Emily a Snapchat of this. I'm going to tell the world. I'm going to speak my truth. I'm, I'm done buying Chipotle. I'm sorry It's not worth it now that I do not get it for free. And here are the reasons why. When I make my own food, I can give myself five scoops of white rice and it's okay. I can give myself three-fourths a cup of black beans because I like the black beans but not a lot. I can give myself as much fajitas as I want. I can put the cheese directly on the rice and then put the other hot items on top so it becomes gooey, melty in the center. And I can put as much salsa on the rice so it soaks up the flavor. And then I can do as much ratio of meats as I want. Here's the thing. I'm not going to be that person at Chipotle. I'm not going to do it. It's never going to turn out the way that I want it. It just never is. Here's another thing. I am an onion slut. I love onions. And at Chipotle, they have like a, you know, a bunch of their salsas. They mix diced onion in. So we would prep a bunch of diced onion in the morning. And then there would just be pans of diced onion in the fridge, that I would take a little scoop and I'd put some on my bowl for a little crunch. Sometimes I'd dip a chip in it. It was my most toxic trait at Chipotle. I just love onions. I asked, I called the store and said, can you please change your gloves? It's gluten-free. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, is there any way that I could, this is super weird, but could I have a side cup of diced red onion? And he said, we don't have that. And I was like, really, you don't have diced onion? And he was like, no, it's not really something we do here. And I was like, I don't want to call bullshit, but I know for a fact it is something you do there. I know it six years of my whole fucking life. I know it. So I just had to be like, okay, that's fine. Like, I'm not I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to be that person. It's literally fourteen dollars of fast food. But I'm done giving them $14. I've done it maybe five or six times since I've left, and I'm done with it. I'm done.
0: It makes me sad because I don't know any better, and so it is still delectable to me. Did you call the location that you didn't work at? Yes. Do you think it would be different if you called the one you did work at and you still had some people that knew you?
1: I think they would 100% make it for me just because... I le- we left on good terms and it's really not that crazy of an ask like there have been much crazier asks um but I I I don't know I didn't really want to talk to anyone that I knew <laughs> so I was like I don't want to I don't want to show the past store that Chipotle still has a small grip on my life
0: That's really well I, that's what I figured you would say but I just wanted to check
1: Yeah. And it's also reached the point where there's not a lot of people left at that store who know me. So I can't get food for free anymore. Like I used to be able to, because if someone who knew me was working in cash register, they'd just give me my food. Um, but now that doesn't happen. So it's like, if I'm going to spend $14, if like, if I'm going to have to pay for it, I may as well go to the one near my house where no one is going to small talk with me kind of shallowly, you know? Yes. Is
0: there anything else new with you that you want to share?
1: So I'm I'm trying to put on a brave face about this. I not that it's I mean, it's a little scary. It's a little intimidating to put yourself out there and try something new on a global platform. But I I've wanted to do it for a long time, and I know if I don't do it, I'm gonna regret it. So I may as well take the plunge over the weekend. I learned OBS from my old roommate Liddy, who I used to stream together with. But I'm gonna be streaming by myself probably very likely for the first time tonight, I'm going to be playing the mortuary assistant on Twitch, get a little spooky. And also if anyone wants to ask me any questions about real mortuary assistant tasks, I'd be happy to answer them. I know that no one here is going to be on the stream because this is going to happen a week later, but if anyone is interested in perhaps watching me stream my, you can find me on Twitch at page or pog P-A-I-G-E-O-R-P-O-G. I love it. I'm excited
0: for you. I know it's something that you've been thinking about because I feel like you mentioned it on the podcast like a lot, a while ago.
1: I think I did, too. I want to say maybe Tom mentioned or like sent us a message about it that it was a good idea. And I was like, thanks, Tom. I appreciate the support. And I the thing was, was that I had to get some equipment first before I could do it. I had to make sure I had a microphone, headphones that work, um, computer. That's two monitors because you need two to see. Um and then once I had all those things, I then had to learn how to stream because it's a whole thing on OBS. OBS is its own beast within. Um, so I finally did that this weekend and everything is set up. Like literally all I have to do is press start stream on OBS and it's connected to Twitch and it will just go. So, yeah, I I think I'm going to do it tonight, even if it's short and not a lot of people watch. I'll just know that I can do it, you know, I I just got to take the plunge and do it the first time. And who knows, maybe I'll have a really good time. I think it's going to really tickle my performance for others. My, my need to be loved and appreciated for what I bring to the table in terms of entertainment. So I think it'll be, I think I'll find it fulfilling. I just have to get over my nerves.
0: I love it. We are so happy for you on this podcast. We stand trying new things and putting yourself out there. So if you've also been thinking about trying something new, listeners, this is your time to do it.
1: Time to shine, baby. Put become the sun in the Teletubbies. Your face in the sun shining bright in the sky. <laughs> don't
0: don't get too motivational, I guess. Save that for the end.
1: <laughs> okay, I have been listening through the I, I, I decided to tempt tempt my I don't know, tempt things and start listening to this podcast from the beginning. Cause I wanted to, here's the motivation. I wanted to see when I started saying absolutely ridiculous things at the end, because I have no memory of when it started and in the beginning, I don't do it. So it clearly like at some point I started to do it and I want to hear what it was that started it all. So I've been listening from the beginning. I've also curious just how it comes across as like, if I were a new listener what what is my experience going to be like because we've been doing this for like three years now almost and you know I we've we changes people constantly so I'm like I want to hear what we were like in the very beginning and it's been I've honestly been really enjoying it I remember like a feeling while reading Twilight that I was like oh my gosh there's three more books after this like what's gonna happen because I really you know there were some things I didn't know clearly So just, like, the feeling of, like, what's to come. I remember the anticipation of it all.
0: That's honestly really fun. Please let us know here on the pod when you find that first um, absolutely unhinged ending and let us know what it was.
1: I I did just pass through an episode where I say something along the lines of forks where your big dreams fly high or something like that. I thought that that was going to be it, but it's not.
0: I think we named the episode after that, didn't we? We did. I do not go back and listen because I don't, I simply don't want to know. But I do sometimes scroll through and read our episode names only, and I laugh at those because it's like, what the fuck does that mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's how it's been feeling, me l- listening to all of the first ones. I'm like, I kind of remember generally this the the decision of coming up with this name, but I do not remember the context.
0: Totally. It's so funny. Um, On a similar topic, the next week's episode, so not this one, but the next one that will be coming out, will be our last for 2022. We'll mention this again um, when we record this next episode, but just wanted to get it on your radar that we are going to take a couple (laughs) well-deserved weeks off for the holidays.
1: It's what the kids call the CC holiday, the Christmas slash Capricorn. Capricorn. Capricorn holiday.
0: Exactly. Love it. Um, The main thing I wanted to share about my life was that I finally got my last Black Friday item that I ordered sale clothing wise and it's these pants. I think I mentioned this on the podcast that I had ordered the pants and they were too big. So I got the smaller size and I love them. They're like super heavy. Have you ever owned us a pair of sweatpants that's really heavy and it's comforting because it's like Hell yeah I'm just gonna like lay around like a slug in these.
1: I don't think I have but I'm not opposed to the idea.
0: They're like very thick and sturdy I guess would maybe be another way to describe them so I'm very happy.
1: I have a pair of sweatpants that were a man's pair of sweatpants. I feel like it's probably a similar feeling.
0: Yeah, probably. I feel like you have, I was thinking about this the other day, how you still have our sweatpants from high school, and I'm like, I could not tell you where mine ended up. The trash, probably.
1: I am genuinely shocked that those go over my ass. I put the gray ones on, the fitted ones, it's like I'm being eaten by an anaconda.
0: (laughs) In a good way or in a bad way?
1: I mean, they're tight and they don't have pockets, so it's, like, it's not really worth it to me. They also have a cross right on the front and say SMHS with that, like, aquamarine color. Do you remember? Yes. Why? Who designed those? Fucking white 17-year-olds. We were the worst.
0: (laughs) Absolutely horrible. I have, like, a hoodie from Every Year of Soccer that is, like, similar to that vibe. I think I only kept one of them because it was cut at the neck. And I threw out all the other ones.
1: (laughs) I do still have my uh, lacrosse manager sweatshirt. It just says, like, lacrosse with a logo on it. And I do like that one because I um, uh, pair it or I uh, layer it with a flannel. So I wear the gray sweatshirt or the gray hoodie, and then I put a flannel over so the flannel's like on my arms and the hood goes over the back. And it really makes me feel like if I identified as a man, I could steal your girl. Like, I'm like, this is my straight male outfit.
0: It's funny that you say that because when you're describing it, I was going to say, and I mean this in in a complimentary way, it sounds like a peak bisexual outfit. It is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we get into our live reading, let's hit a recommendations corner. I will go first because I don't think I've gone first in a bit my recommendation is advent calendars they make advent calendars for anything these days people and you do not have to be a celebrator of christmas to enjoy it just imagine a little treat of some kind for 25 straight days i know by the time you're hearing this we'll be about halfway through but fuck it they probably have them on discount like clearance now because we're halfway through a friend of the pod remy got me an advent calendar of treats for my cats. They've been loving it. My sister has an advent calendar of rubber ducks for my niece. And she sends me a picture of them every day. Every day it's just a new rubber duck. And it's amazing. I it's one of life's greatest joys, in my opinion.
1: My mom gave my sister and I advent calendars on Thanksgiving Day because she found them at the store and thought of them. She got me a hot sauce one. So every day I get a new bottle of hot sauce. Isn't that awesome?
0: That is so awesome. I'm so Obsessed with the idea of like being at a company and being like, you know, we should do an advent calendar.
1: (laughs) What is the the silliest company you can think of that could make an advent calendar? Trojan. (coughs) I was gonna say Habitat for Humanity. Well, that's not a company; it's a nonprofit. (laughs) Okay. Um. Is uh oh? I was gonna say Scholastic, like it would be a book, but that's actually an amazing idea.
0: Yeah, like a little mini book. Hmm. What if it was just like Kleenex?
1: <laughs> That's a good one. Lysol. <laughs> Anyways. My recommendations corner, this one goes out. This one goes out to the people who feel that, and I'm just going to say it. My recommend, my recommendation corner is if you want to be a maximalist, do it. Don't, I feel like minimalism was really big for a long time. And, you know, like having only the things that bring you joy in your space and like, you know, just not having a lot of things. I'm sorry. I love Things I love just looking at things. I love getting a little trinket and putting it up somewhere. I love seeing it and just thinking like, oh, if someone saw this and they like it, we could start a conversation about it. Oh my gosh, if you see my Digimon poster on the wall and you like Digimon, you're going to say something. I like having all of my things that I like out and about so that people, I, they, you know, it represents me. This weekend I bought a bookcase simply to put my Pokemon things on and every time I walk into my room and I look at it, I feel so much joy. So all I'm saying is is if you want to if you want your things out, just do it. Don't let the minimalist haters hate. Just be you.
0: I love that. Support it.
1: I am like Not
0: intentionally a minimalist. It's just that I throw out things because they stress me out. And then like a week later, I'm like, where's that thing? (laughs) So I feel like I could take this advice as well.
1: Malcolm just waking up in a dumpster somewhere. Like, how did I get here?
0: (laughs) Don't tempt me. (laughs) Okay. I know that you um, put out your predictions for this chapter last week. Do you have any additional thoughts you want to throw in before we start?
1: I just... I really feel like there's this is going to be some kind of major conflict, and I am I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's what's going to turn in this book.
0: Steeped with anticipation. Mm -hmm. I will once again be recording this on my phone for the clear audio, so it'll sound a little bit different, but we will not cut off anything that Paige says. And we also have it's only a 14 page chapter, so it's pretty short, but we also have two little breaks, times for breaks to discuss briefly that I marked. So. Are you ready to
1: rock, Squidward? <laughs> she choked on her drink. <laughs> My mouth was full of root beer. Well, are you? <laughs> I was trying to think of what his response to that is. I feel like he's just like, hmm. I think he says,
0: no, or something like that. Okay, I'm going to start this recording. Chapter 28, The Future Carlyle and Edward had not been able to catch up with Irina before her trail disappeared into the sound. They'd swum to the other bank to see if her trail had picked up in a straight line, but there was no trace of her for miles in either direction on the eastern shore. It was all my fault. She had come, as Alice had seen, to make peace with the Cullens, only to be angered by my camaraderie with Jacob. I wish I'd noticed her earlier, before Jacob had phased. I wish we'd gone hunting somewhere else. There wasn't much to be done. Carlyle had called Tanya with the disappointing news. Tanya and Kate hadn't seen Irina since they'd decided to come to my wedding, and they were distraught that Irina had come so close and yet not returned home. It wasn't easy for them to lose their sister, however temporary the separation might be. I wondered if this brought back hard memories of losing their mother so many centuries ago. Alice was able to catch a few glimpses of Irina's immediate future, nothing too concrete. She wasn't going back to Denali as far as Alice could tell. The picture was hazy. All Alice could see was that Irina was visibly upset. She wandered in the snow swathed wilderness to the north, to the east with a devastated expression. She made no decisions for a new course beyond her directionless grieving. Days passed and though I of course forgot nothing, Irina and her pain moved to the back of my mind. There were more important things to think of now. I would leave for Italy in just a few days. When I got back, we'd all be off to South America. Every detail had been gone over a hundred times already. We would start with the Tacunas, tracing their legends as well as we could at the source. Now that it was accepted that Jacob would come with us, he figured prominently in the plans. It was unlikely that the people who believed in vampires would speak to any of us about their stories. If we dead-ended with the Takunas, there were many closely related tribes in the area to research. Carlisle had some old friends in the Amazon. If we could find them, they might have information for us too, or at least a suggestion as to where else we might go for answers. It was unlikely that the three Amazon vampires had anything to do with the legends of vampire hybrids themselves, as they were all female. There was no way to know how long our search would take. I hadn't told Charlie about the longer trip yet, and I stewed about what to say to him while Edward and Carlyle's discussion went on. How to break the news to him just right. I stared at Renezme while I debated internally. She was curled up on the sofa now, her breathing slow with heavy sleep, her tangled curls splayed wildly around her face. Usually, Edward and I took her back to our cottage to put her to bed, but tonight we lingered with the family, he, he and Carlisle deep in their planning session. Meanwhile, Emmett and Jasper were more excited about planning the hunting possibilities. The Amazon offered a change from our normal quarry Jaguars and Panthers, for example. Emmett had a whim to wrestle with an anaconda. Esme and Rosalie were planning what they would pack. Jacob was off with Sam's pack, setting things up for his own absence. Alice moved slowly, for her, around the big room Unnecessarily tidying the already immaculate space, straightening Esme's perfect, perfectly hung garlands, she was recentering Esme's bases on the console at the moment. I could see from the way her fla- her face fluctuated, aware then blank then aware again, that she was searching the future. I assumed she was trying to see through the blind spots that Jacob and Renezme made in her visions as to what was waiting for us in South America. Until Jasper said. Let it go, Alice. She's not our concern. And a cloud of serenity stole silently and visibly and invisibly through the room. Alice must have been worrying about Irina again. She stuck her tongue out at Jasper and then lifted one crystal vase that was filled with white and red roses and turned toward the kitchen. There was just the barest hint of wilt to one of the white flowers, but Alice seemed intent on utter perfection as a distraction to her lack of vision tonight. Staring at Renesmee again, I didn't see it when the vase slipped from Alice's fingers. I only heard the whoosh of the air whistling past the crystal, and my eyes flickered up in time to see the vase shatter into 10,000 diamond shards against the edge of the kitchen's marble floor. We were perfectly still as the fragmented crystal bounced and skittered in every direction with an unmusical tinkling, all eyes on Alice's back. My first illogical thought was that Alice was playing some joke on us because there was no way that Alice could have dropped the vase by accident. I could have darted across the room to catch the vase in plenty of time myself if I hadn't assumed she would get it. And how would it fall through her fingers in the first place? Her perfectly sure fingers. I had never seen a vampire drop anything by accident, ever. And then Alice was facing us, twisting in a move so fast it didn't exist. Her eyes were halfway here and halfway locked on the future, wide, staring, filling her thin face till they seemed to overflow it. Looking into her eyes was like looking out of a grave from the inside. I was buried in the terror and despair and agony of her gaze. I heard Edward gasp. It was a broken, half-choked sound. What? Jasper growled, leaping to her side in a blurred rush of movement, crushing the broken crystal under his feet. He grabbed her shoulders and shook her sharply. She seemed to rattle silently in his hands what alice emmet moved into my peripheral vision his teeth bared while his eyes darted toward the window anticipating an attack there was only silence from esme carlyle and rose who were just as frozen as i was jasper shook alice again what is it they're coming for us alice and edward whispered together perfectly synchronized all of them silence pause So.
1: As soon as we started with this chapter, it made me remember that I I thought of this in our last chapter when Irina showed up and I had this short thought, but I was like, nah, whatever, you're probably overthinking it. But I rethought of it. And it also made me think about just kind of a little bit more. Has Bella seen photos of Irina? Does she know what Irina even looks like? No. So, like, hypothetically, that could have not been Irina. It could have just been someone else. And Bella assumed it was Irina because she was coming down. And, I mean, I guess that doesn't make sense because Alice is seeing visions of Irina. But it made me think more that, like, we don't really know too much about her or, like, what her motivations are, were and are. She is very clearly upset by this, and who knows what she could do. So as soon as she went away and was, like, gone, and Bella's like, I, it should slipped from my memory. I was like, the, should it have? Now I'm worried that it slipped from your memory, because I feel like, why would you say it like that if it wasn't important, you know? So I feel very suspicious about Irina in this. To me, it sounds like the Volturi. It's, like, I don't think Alice would have this reaction if it were the Denali vampires all showing up. Like, I think it would be more exciting, you know? Like, oh, they're all coming down for a visit. Like, for her to show this terror and, like, grave fear, it has to be the Volturi, right? I mean, like, we're we're having all this Volturi talk anyways, so it's got to be them. It, it sounds like we're a Bruin for a big, huge rumble down under.
0: I guess we will find out. I do gotta say, it's very funny to me how paranoidly you read these books sometimes. We're like, why'd she say it like that?
1: <laughs> it's also how I live regular life as well. Anxiety. I also do wanna say that I do not I do not think that snake would be tasty. Like I Emmett really wants to try the snake. But I don't know if its blood's going to be very good. I just do not know. I also do not like the thought that panthers and jaguars are being hunted. Like, they are gravely extinct or uh, endangered. Like, why don't we choose, like, a wild horse or something? I don't know.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say, too.
1: Like, I'm sorry that you have to live forever, but, like, maybe let's, like take care of the environment a little bit the ecosystems that you're not even a part of
0: that they're just visiting that is fucked up
1: yeah i justice for jaguars that's what i'll say i agree anything else no let's keep it rolling let's get into the conflict all right for once i was the quickest
0: to understand because something in their words triggered my own vision it was only the distant memory of a dream Faint, transparent, indistinct, as if I was as if I were peering through thick gauze. In my head I saw a line of black advancing on me, the ghost of my half forgotten human nightmare. I could not see the glint of their ruby eyes in the shrouded image, or the shine of their sharp wet teeth, but I knew where the gleam should be. Stronger than the memory of the sight came the memory of the feel, the wrenching need to protect the precious thing behind me. I wanted to snatch her Nesme up into my arms, to hide her behind my skin and hair, to make her invisible. But I couldn't even turn to look at her. I felt not like stone, but ice. For the first time since I'd been reborn a vampire, I felt cold. I barely heard the confirmation of my fears. I didn't need it. I already knew. The Volturi, Alice moaned. All of them, Edward groaned at the same time. Why, Alice whispered to herself. How? When, Edward whispered. Why, Esme echoed. When, Jasper repeated in a voice like splintering ice. Alice's eyes didn't blink, but it was as if a veil covered them. They became perfectly blank. Only her mouth held on to her expression of horror. Not long, she and Edward said together. Then she spoke alone. There's snow on the forest, snow on the town, little more than a month. Why? Carlyle was the one to ask this time. Esme answered. They must have a reason, maybe to see. This isn't about Bella, Alice said hollowly. They're all coming. Arrow, Caius, Marcus, every member of the guard, even the wives. The wives never leave the tower, Jasper contradicted her in a flat voice. Never. Not during the Southern Rebellion, not when the Romanians tried to overthrow them, not even when they were hunting the immortal children. Never. They're coming now, Edward whispered. But why, Carlyle said again, we've done nothing, and if we had, what could we possibly do that would bring this down on us? There are so many of us, Edward answered dully, they must want to make sure that he didn't finish. That doesn't answer the crucial question, why? I felt I knew the answer to Carlyle's question, and yet at the same time I didn't. Renesmee was the reason why, I was sure. Somehow I'd known from the very beginning that they would come for her. My subconscious had warned me before I'd known I was carrying her. It felt oddly expected now, as if I'd somehow always known that the Volturi would come to take my happiness from me. But that still didn't answer the question. Go back, Alice, Jasper pleaded. Look for the trigger. Search. Alice shook her head slowly, her shoulders sagging. It came out of nowhere, Jazz. I wasn't looking for them, or even for us. I was just looking for Irina. She wasn't where I expected her to be. Alice trailed off, her eyes drifting again. She stared at nothing for a long second. And then her head jerked up, her eyes hard as flint. I heard Edward catch his breath. She decided to go to them, Alice said. Irina decided to go to the Volturi. And then they will decide. It's as if they're waiting for her. Like their decision was already made and just waiting on her. It was silent again as we digested this. What would Irina tell the Volturi that would result in Alice's appalling vision? can we stop her? Jasper asked. There's no way. She's almost there. What is she doing? Carlyle was asking, but I wasn't paying attention to the discussion now. All my focus was on the picture that was painstakingly coming together in my head. I pictured Irina poised on the cliff watching. What had she seen? A vampire and a werewolf who were best friends. I'd been focused on that image. One that would obviously explain her reaction, but that was not all that she'd seen. She had also seen a child, an exquisitely beautiful child, showing off in the falling snow, clearly more than human. Irina, the orphan sisters. Carlyle had said that losing their mother to the Volturi's justice had made Tanya, Kate, and Irina purists when it came to the law. Just half a minute ago, Jasper had said the words himself. Not even when they were hunting the immortal children. The immortal children, the unmentionable Bane, the appalling Taboo. With Irina's past, how, how could she apply any other reading to what she'd seen that day in the narrow field? She had not been close enough to hear Renesme's heart to feel the heat radiating from her body. Renesmee's rosy cheeks could have been a trick on our, our part for all she knew. After all, the Collins were in league with werewolves. From Irina's point of view, maybe this meant nothing was beyond us. Irina, wringing her hands in the snowy wilderness, not mourning Laurent, after all, but knowing it was her duty to turn the Cullens in, knowing what would happen to them if she did. Apparently, her conscience had won out over the centuries of friendship. And the Volturi's response to this kind of infraction was so automatic, it was already decided. I turned and draped myself over Renesmee's sleeping body, covering, with, covering her with my hair, burying my face in her curls. Think of what she saw that afternoon, I said in a low voice, interrupting whatever Emmett was beginning to say. To someone who's lost a mother because of the immortal children, what would May look like? Everything was silent again as the others caught up to where I was already. An immortal child, Carlisle whispered. I felt Edward kneel beside me, wrap his arms over us both. Pause.
1: I'm going to say what I think we're all thinking. Nobody likes a snitch. <laughs> <laughs> say more. I'm just so rattled. Look, I get it. I I get that these are circumstances beyond the the ordinary. But it literally says centuries of friendship that you're just like, mm, no, can't, can't let it slide. Like, ugh, that really bums me out that all of this has to happen. Because Irina needs to take a stand on something. That's not even true. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> when I was laughing in the middle, I don't know if you saw me chuckling to myself. It was when everyone was going back and forth, like, when, where, why, when, why? All I could think of in my head was plankton, crabs, plankton, crabs. Plankton? Crabs? Spongebob! <laughs> you didn't think that we'd get past this chapter
0: without a couple of Spongebob references, did you?
1: Well, you'd be wrong.
0: Gravely wrong. What do you think about all the Volturi coming, even the wives?
1: I want to see the wives. I want to see what they look like. I'm curious, because Arrow, like, is not it. He is scary looking, so I want to see what these wives look like. I mean, they're probably young and beautiful. I, they probably have like 18 wives each, and they're vampires. They got immortality. Why not have a bunch of wives? You know, like I don't see why they're all not taking all kinds of lovers. I I could see the Volturi living up a hedonistic lifestyle, um, but you know, I'm ex, I'm. I don't know if Forks is big enough for all these vampires. Like, who are they going to start eating?
0: (laughs) Why do you assume they need to eat anyone?
1: Well, they need to feed, you know? Like, if they're all coming, and it's going to be some kind of, like, I don't know, it sounds like there's going to be some kind of fight or, like, conflict. So, I'm just figuring if there's, like, 20 or so vampires there one of them is bound to be hungry yeah i guess that's a good point
0: i just figured it was like a one day type of thing in my that i was picturing so i was like well why would they need to but yeah you're right
1: i was definitely picturing longer than a day
0: i mean they're vampires they could be there in by the end of this chapter if they wanted to be you know what i mean
1: that's a pretty good point anyways I will say, though, that Stephanie will not allow that fast of passage of time. Like, it has to be three chapters per four hours of con- uh, of, of time.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Also, a petty thing, but a small thing that I have to point out. Right when they are revealing, quote-unquote, that it's the Volturi, Stephanie's word choice is the absolute worst. Bella says, I barely heard the confirmation of my fears. I didn't need it. I already knew. The Volturi, Alice moaned okay kind of weird all of them edward groaned groaned
1: moaning and groaning is like when when a student in your class reminds the teacher they forgot to assign homework like it, it's it's not the time it's not an appropriate word choice <laughs> shoot man the Volturi are coming darn it all the heck i know it's for me it's the word drat summed up yeah it's like minorly inconvenienced
0: (laughs) so stupid all right do you have anything
1: else for before we finish it i don't think so do you what about this what could you see esme preparing as a delicious meal for the volturi
0: assuming they would eat human food
1: no what can she make from blood that would be um delicious
0: i feel like she can make like a fondue fountain Mmm, that's a good idea. What what's your thought? Maybe like popsicles. <laughs> I could see it. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't melt as easily if they tried to eat them because they're ice. Yeah, they're cold. Yeah, like the the vampires are ice, I mean. Yeah,
1: yeah, that no, I'm I, I see wh- why we uh I see where the confusion was, but I was also talking about the vampires. Okay.
0: All right, I'm going to do it to him. We got Uh, like five and a half pages left. But she's wrong, I went on. Renezme isn't like those other children. They were frozen, but she grows so much every day. They were out of control, but she never hurts Charlie or Sue or even shows them things that would upset them. She can control herself. She's already smarter than most adults. There would be no reason. I babbled on, waiting for someone to exhale with relief, waiting for the icy tension in the room to relax as they realized I was right. The room just seemed to get colder eventually my small voice trailed off into silence no one spoke for a long time then edward whispered into my hair it's not the kind of crime they hold a trial for love he said quietly arrows seen irena's proof in her thoughts they come to destroy not to be reasoned with but they're wrong i said stubbornly they won't wait for us to show them that his voice was still quiet gentle velvet And yet, the pain and desolation in the sound was unavoidable. His voice was like Alice's eyes before, like the inside of a tomb. What can we do? I demanded. Renesmee was so warm and perfect in my arms, dreaming peacefully. I'd worried so much about Renesmee's speeding age, worried that she would only have little over a decade of life. That terror seemed ironic now. Little over a month. Was this the limit then? I had more happiness than most people ever experienced. Was there some natural law that demanded equal shares of happiness and misery in the world? Was my joy overthrowing the balance? Was four months all I could have? It was Emmett who answered my rhetorical question. We fight, he said calmly. We can't win, Jasper growled. I could imagine how his face would look, how his body would curve protectively over Alice's. Well, we can't run, not with Dimitri around. Emmett made a disgusted noise and I knew instinctively that he was not upset by the idea of the Voltaris Tracker, but by the idea of running away. And I don't know that we can't win, he said. There are a few options to consider. We don't have to fight alone. My head snapped up at that. We don't have to sentence the Quilliets to death either, Emmett. Chill, Bella. His expression was no different from when he was contemplating fighting Anacondas. Even the threat of annihilation couldn't change Emmett's perspective, his ability to thrill to a challenge. I didn't mean the pack. Be realistic, though. Do you think Jacob or Sam is going to ignore an invasion, even if it wasn't about Nessie? Not to mention that, thanks to Irina. Arrow knows about our alliance with the pack now, too. But I was thinking of our other friends. Carlisle echoed me in a whisper. Other friends we don't have to sentence to death. Hey, we'll let them decide, Emmett said in a placating tone. I'm not saying they have to fight with us. I could see the plan refining itself in his head as he spoke. If they just stand beside us, just long enough to make the Volturi hesitate. Bella's right, after all. If we could force them to stop and listen, though that might take away any reason for a fight. There was a hint of a smile on Emmett's face now. I was surprised no one had hit him yet. I wanted to. Yes, Esme said eagerly. That makes sense, Emmett. All we need is for the Volturi to pause for one moment, just long enough to listen, We'd need quite a show of witnesses, Rosalie said harshly, her voice brittle as glass. Esme nodded in agreement, as if she hadn't heard the sarcasm in Rosalie's tone. We, we can ask that much of our friends, just to witness. We'd do it for them, Emmett said. We'll have to ask them just right, Alice murmured. I looked to see her eyes were a dark void again. They'll have to be shown very carefully. Shown? Jasper asked. Alice and Edward both looked down at Renesmee then Alice's eyes glazed over. Tanya's family, she said. Siobhan's coven. moon's Some of the nomads. Garrett and Mary, for certain. Maybe Alistair. What about Peter and Charlotte? Jasper asked, half fearfully, as if he hoped the answer was no, and his old brother could be spared from the coming carnage. Maybe. The Amazons? Carlyle asked. Kachiri, Zafrina, and Senna? Alice seemed too deep in her vision to answer at first. Finally, she shuddered, and her eyes flickered back to the present. She met Carlyle's gaze for the tiniest part of a second, and then looked down. I can't see. What was that? Edward asked, his whisper of demand. That part in the jungle. Are we going to look for them? I can't see, Alice repeated, not meeting his eyes. A flash of confusion crossed Edward's face. We'll have to split up and hurry, before the snow sticks to the ground. We have to round up whoever we can and get them here to show them. She zoned again. Asked Eleazar, there is more to this than just an immortal child. The silence was ominous for another long moment while Alice was in her trance. She blinked slowly when it was over, her eyes peculiarly opaque, despite the fact that she was clearly in the present. There is so much. We have to hurry, she whispered. Alice? Edward asked. That was too fast. I didn't understand. What was... I can't see! she exploded back at him. Jacob's almost here. Rosalie took a step toward the front door. I'll deal with... No, let him come, Alice said quickly, her voice straining higher with each word. She grabbed Jasper's hand and began pulling him toward the back door. I'll see better away from Nessie too. I need to go. I need to really concentrate. I need to see everything I can. I have to go. Come on, Jasper. There's no time to waste. We could all hear Jacob on the stairs. Alice yanked, impatient, on Jasper's hand. He followed quickly, confusion in his eyes just like Edward's. They darted out the door into the silver night. Hurry, she called back to us. You have to find them all. Find what? Jacob asked, shutting the front door behind himself. Where'd Alice go? No one answered. We all just stared. Jacob shook the wet from his hair and pulled his arms through the sleeves of his T-shirt, his eyes on Renezme hey bells, I thought you guys would have gone home by now. He looked up to me finally, blinked, and then stared. I watched his expression as the room's atmosphere finally touched him. He glanced down, eyes wide, at the wet spot on the floor, the scattered roses, the fragments of crystal. His fingers quivered. What? He asked flatly. What happened? I couldn't think where to begin. No one else found the words either. Jacob crossed the room in three long strides and dropped to his knees beside Renesmee and me. I could feel the heat shaking off his body as tremors rolled down his arms to his shaking hands. Is she okay? he demanded, touching her forehead, tilting his head as he listened to her heart. Don't mess with me, Bella, please. Nothing's wrong with Renesmee, I choked out, the words breaking in strange places. Then who? All of us, Jacob, I whispered. And it was there in my voice too—the sound of the inside of a grave. It's over. We've all been sentenced to die.
1: Well, um, kind of intense. Why do I feel like Alice isn't telling us everything? It, it feels shady to me. I feel like I—I I don't know. We—I feel like I haven't seen her like this before. You know. What do you mean? I just, you know, even when things have been bad, she's made a point to tell Edward or, like, I I don't know. It seems like she's purposefully maybe keeping something away. And, like, her very loud assertion, like, I can't see. Like, I got to get out of here. Like, I I can't see. And, I, I mean, I thought, well, maybe her powers are weakening or something. But I don't know. The fact that there was that jungle scene that, like, kind of went in but then stopped and even Edward was confused like it just seemed very odd like it to me it felt like she she knew and she was closing it out like she didn't want to see what was going to be seen basically I don't know I just I feel like there's something that she's not telling us
0: okay if that was true like what do you think like what would you predict it to be
1: <sighs> I'm not sure I mean maybe Maybe something bad is going to happen to someone in the jungle. I mean, like I for the for the vision to be in the jungle and just abruptly stop something. It feels like something bad is going to happen there, that they're going to go down there to try and find the vampires down there. Maybe something bad is going to happen that she doesn't want to confront.
0: Okay, All right. What else do you think of this like. Slowly forming plan of theirs.
1: I wasn't quite sure where it was going until they said like all the um, Diwali, Diwali. Whoa, no, that's an Indian holiday. The um, Denali... Uh, vampires and then they started expanding on it I was like who are we talking about right now like am I supposed to know like is it supposed to be obvious who this is because I genuinely don't really know where this is going because it sounded like a big group of people you know it sounded like a lot and I was like I'm pretty sure the Denali people it's only like three of them so I don't really know why they're talking like it's gonna be this big huge group of people and I was also like what is the plan going to be like there's going to be so many vampires there that it's going to surprise them surprise the volturi and stop them in their tracks because i as bella ends this chapter she says we've all been sentenced to death all of all of the Collins now are gonna go to their friends and be like, "Hey, so the Volturi are coming to kill us. Do you think you could come, and maybe just like stand by our side and support us? Like we're just trying to have them hear us out. I don't know. Doesn't it seem like they're kind of signing up to be maybe executed as well? I would feel hesitant.
0: I definitely would too. I don't know if I'd want to RSVP to a death party." Um, and to answer your question, no, like all those names should be mostly unfamiliar to you.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I could see it, I could see it working if that's the plan where they have so many other vampires that it's kind of shocking and it gives the Cullens an upper hand to do something unexpected, you know. To get their message across. I feel like I've also seen a clip of Arrow in that the big meadow or like the big open field, and he's like, Isabella. I like this has got to be when that when that is, you know.
0: <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny that. Um, I know that we just talked about it at our last pause, but I sort of hate that Stephanie's like, let's stretch this out because I'm like. The way that the whole immortal child like crime has been painted to us is like super serious, and yet the Voltaire like we'll take a month to go over there.
1: Yeah, everyone has to be executed. That's how serious it is. But mm, let's take our time. Let's go sightseeing.
0: <laughs> I guess if you're like three thousand years old, a month is like a day to you. But still.
1: But still, you know, but still. And I feel like Arrow is so thirsty to find out everything that's going on in Carlisle's world. Like, he would want to come right over and and put himself in this business.
0: I agree.
1: I agree. Do you think... This thought just came to me. I feel like... And I think you brought this up a little bit ago in a different way. But I feel like Arrow could have, like... He'd just be, like, a little slut. I feel like he's giving little slut energy. Like, what do you mean? I He just, like, he gives me, like, he's teeny ti- he's tiny, but he's also, like, aware of his charm and, like, his power, and he's like, mm, I'm in charge. I, I could just see him, and, like, I could see him having a voracious sex life. Being the king of all vampires. So, I don't know. He just gives me little slut energy. Tell me if... Listeners, if you agree, let me know. If you don't agree, you don't have to say anything. Because it's probably just me.
0: (laughs) If you don't agree, keep that shit to yourself. I could see it. I think I was saying that he probably is really good in bed. Because he can read everyone's minds. But...
1: I don't know. I kind of think of him as a bottom.
0: I feel like I can't comment either way. But... I could see it.
1: (laughs) I don't know why. And it's like, I know he's the most powerful, like he's in charge, but maybe it's the people in power who want that power taken away. Sometimes they want, they want the control taken out of their hands and, you know, they want to just lay back and relax a little bit. I was going to say they want to be a pillow princess. Arrow the pillow princess. That's perfect. (laughs) All right, buddy. Any other thoughts on this chapter? I don't think so. I think, I mean, this really was the turning point of where the book now is heading. You know, this is going to be the, kind of the final, the denouement of it all.
0: <laughs> Here we go again with that word. Um, For next week, we're going to be back to two chapters, reading two chapters, and they are called Defection and Irresistible. What
1: are your predictions? Defection? Maybe... Maybe the werewolves are going to be like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. Or they're going to maybe defect against Sam and want to help fight on the Cullen side or be there to support the Cullens. Could be some sort of defection in that sort of a sense. Um, perhaps there's a group of vampires we're going to find out about that really doesn't like the Volturi and they're like, yeah, let's, let's stick it to them. And they kind of want to do this to maybe change the way that vampires are in the world. I don't know. Maybe it'll be something like that. Clearly there are a bunch of names that, you know, we got to find out about these people. So maybe we'll get some insights into the vampires that have been just, have just been mentioned. Um, What was the second chapter? Irresistible. Irresistible. Hmm. Perhaps, perhaps this will be someone, a new, a new person seeing Renesmee, the new vampires coming in, seeing Renesmee and seeing that, like she is so charming and, and a lovely little uh, baby, not like other babies, who knows? Um, Maybe the Volturi are coming sooner than we think, and maybe maybe Renesmee is an irresistible temptation for them. I mean, at the end of Breaking Dawn Part 1, Arrow says they have something I want. And to me, that sounds like he doesn't want to kill her. To me, it seems like he wants Renesmee in his pack, perhaps, in his little—in his coven— you know, it, the way that it's worded to me doesn't seem like he's upset and wants wants it dealt with. It sounds like he just wants it, you know?
0: And you're theorizing that he was referring to Renesmee when he said that? Yes. All right. All right, gang gang. I don't really have much else for you, but I guess we'll see what pops off next week. Is it my turn to do socials or
1: yours? Uh, I think I'll do it. I think it's mine. All right. Okay. We'd love to hear you guys on socials. Just last week, we had user meh for now message us on Instagram. That was really nice. Um, So every time you guys send us a message, we love to see it. It really does make both of our days. So if you're so inclined to message us on Instagram and Tumblr, you can at Tuesdays are for Twilight. If you'd like to reach out on Twitter, you can do that at Taft Pod. If you'd like to send something long form, you can email us at TuesdaysR4Twilight at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate to our Patreon to be included in our final Patreon party, Breaking Down Part 2 watch party, you can donate to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash TuesdaysR4Twilight. And I'm really excited to share the part about Move to Higher Ground because... In my listening to the very beginning episodes, it's like, if not the very first episode, it's the second episode. You talk about the organization for the very first time and you say that they're saving up right now to build a school like that's their main priority. And it's just so cool to know that our community has come together to and like. I mean, it's not just us, obviously, a lot of people are helping with this movement, but just to know that, like, with our support that happened over the course of this podcast happening, which is so cool, like, really getting to see them get to do what they, what they need to, to keep their cultural land safe, and, you know, keep their cultural practices alive. I love that. So anyways, if you'd like to continue that, keep up the goodness, Emily just hearted the screen. Um... You can donate, find out more and donate at www.mthg.org.
0: That is so awesome. That warms my heart. And yes, we always are promoting them because, you know, it's really a cause that we care about. And um, your support really does matter. So thank you for that. Um, what's your unhinged thing of the week this week, Paige?
1: So I know last week that I had a story that I wanted to share, but I didn't have all the information. So I got all the information and I just wanted to share this like little kooky, crazy little bit of history that I just it's it's just so silly to me. So in 1986, this museum in Mexico, I'm not sure the name of it, but they had a death, the death, a death mask is like archaeologically like something that is put in someone's tomb, like over where they're buried, to show like their face, their face of death, basically. So, this Mayan leader, his name is Pakal, the death mask of Pakal was on display at this museum. Big deal. He's like a big, huge deal in Mayan history. So, this museum boasted having the best security. They're like, nothing can get stolen, absolutely nothing. Come Christmas morning, 1986. They discover the death mask is gone nowhere to be found no evidence of where it went nothing they couldn't find it so obviously this is like international news like breaking news pet calls death mask is gone and so Undercover agents are like in the black market art groups like trying they because it's really hard to sell things like that, because police are trying to find them. So a lot of times there's a big danger of the pieces getting destroyed. So there was a lot of effort to be like, you won't get in trouble, just give it back like we'll give you a reward like we just want the history preserved, please bring it back. And then it never happened for years and years and years, the story kind of died out. Come Years later, someone calls the non-emergency police line in Mexico and they're like, hey, one of my roommates is arguing or like they're having an argument with their girlfriend or something. Can you send someone over here and like deal with it? And the police show up and the death mask is sitting on their coffee table just in the apartment. And they're like, excuse me? And it was just like a bunch of veterinary students who were like. Let's just see if we can. They went to the museum and they were like, they're boasting about all the security. But it was right before Christmas. And I guess like no one was like paying attention or anything. So they just took it because they could. They wanted to see if they'd get away with it. And they did. And then they just had it. They're like, well, I don't know what to do now. We can't bring it back. We're going to get in trouble. So they just kept it in their apartment for years. And that's how it was recovered. There are news articles of it, but a lot of them are in Spanish, but I think you could probably, you could probably find something in a language if you don't know Spanish that maybe has the story in a little more detail than I have.
0: I, I kind of have no choice but to stand. This is sort of on topic, sort of not, but at museums, give back all your stolen fucking art.
1: And artifacts, like literally culture, items belonging to cultures there is a lot of big movements for that nowadays of like rehousing artifacts that have been stolen from different groups of people. Um, or like, why not meet up with those people and see their artifacts and just make replicas? You don't need to like take the actual artifacts. You could just make a replica and say, here's a replica of what it, what this looks like from this culture. Here's the cultural significance of it. Like, this is what this stands. This is where you could find it in the archeological record. Like you don't need to take it from indigenous groups or from uh, marginalized groups of people for your own treasures and for your own gain.
0: I was going to say, take it and make money off of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. For right. Anyways, shop local, shop indigenous people. Shop local, shop indigenous, and make sure to steal from your local museum. You didn't hear
0: that from us, but we will see you next week.
1: <laughs> Bye, guys. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, danimal6 underscore on Instagram.